Today on Secrets to Scaling, I had the chance to sit down with the founder of Fieldhouse Brewing, Joshua Vanderheide in Abbotsford. We talked all about branding and building a world-class team. I think that you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. Do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. We walk you through the same process that we use to run marketing campaigns online at scale for our clients. This blueprint isn't for brand new businesses without market proof. It isn't for businesses without long-term goals. This is for businesses who want to scale up their paid advertising and need a roadmap to profitability. If you want to save yourself the time, the money, and the energy, and learn from people who have already done it, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint and sign up today. Now for today's episode. Josh from Fieldhouse, welcome here. Thanks. Josh Vanderheide. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is take two. <laughs> Those of you uh, who are listening, you didn't get to hear take one, um, but Josh said a couple things that were uh, really inappropriate. So <laughs> Yeah, I always have to start again here. I didn't know what kind of podcast it was, so I was trying to make it entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we don't like to add the E, the, the explicit E. So uh, right. yeah, so we're going to start this all over again. So Joshua Vanderheide from Fieldhouse Brewing, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself before Fieldhouse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Fieldhouse for me was a bit of a change in careers. Uh, I started in advertising and marketing. I worked in there for about, uh, somewhere between 12 and 15 years, I think. Um, and, uh, my background was in, in marketing in design and advertising, and that's very different than the beer world. I actually don't know. Um, well, I know I know a little bit about the beer world, but not not as much as somebody who who maybe has been a home brewer their whole life and has been making beer. Um, I kind of fell into it through meeting a bunch of great clients um, that were in the beer industry, and I just really loved their passion and how they the industry wanted to help each other out. They wanted to work together to build it, and I was yeah. like, if I'm going to go into any industry, this is the one that I think is is the best suited. Yeah. So it was a full jump right in, and we opened yeah four years ago, but. Um, yeah, I didn't have I didn't have any experience. It's been a lot of figuring it out as we are going. Yeah, yeah. So started in marketing and headed towards beer. Yeah, uh, is that have you seen other? Because I mean, like the craft beer industry is is exploding right now. Is that something that you've seen with other breweries? Um, no, I mean, I think if you talk to different owners, you you see that they come from a wide array of background. You have definitely the the brewer the brewer turned owner model. That's yeah. you know that was kind of an older model, I think. And now you've got. Um, guys who work for tech companies and, you know, just kind of got maybe tired of corporate life and, and wanted to go brew some beer. Uh, good friends of ours. Um, that's exactly their story. Um, you know, I was more of a, a marketing experience brand guy and, um, I'm trying to think of what other backgrounds. I mean, there's, I think people come from a very wide array, but I mean, the reality is, is that breweries are, are fairly complex. So you need to find the people on your team that do the things that you don't know how to do. So my first person I hired was Parker, our head brewer. And he's been awesome, you know, through the entire process. But, you know, and then we've just kept adding different people as we've gone because we keep need to figure out different things. So, yeah, yeah. no matter where you start with, you just need to hire some different people that don't do the same things that you do yeah. and build a team that way. So what was the next, what was the next hire after that? Well, the next hire, so the obvious hire is hire a brewer, especially if you don't know how to brew beer and want to open a brewery. So that was the obvious one. Um, the next hire was the interesting one, which where I met a girl named Ashley who's from here and um was recommended to us and she was our first hire that was 
I'm going to hire this person because I think she's so great and has so much potential, mm. but I don't really know what her job will be. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think we've done that a few times over where we've just really felt someone really fit and aligned and we were just excited to work with them. And, and the, the idea was, and you read in the book, you know, get the right people on the bus, you know, and then yeah. figure out what seats they need to be in. That's like a Jim Collins good to great yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a really good thing to learn that that you need to just pull the trigger on some great people because you need great people. And her job changed a bunch of different times, but we found you found that she had lots of skills to offer the business. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, at what point did you know that this was going to grow? Like you, you know, you guys put a bunch of money into it to start. At what point did you know that this was actually going to be successful? Um, well, I think there's maybe two parts to that question. The the first one is when when should it grow? And we always had sort of a, a slow growth model planned that we said, let's take care of our community first. Let's not expand this massive distribution and reach before we know if there's a demand for it. And I think the reason we decided to grow is because we've continually had demand that we couldn't meet. And so all of the addition of the tanks and, and growth and investment in the business has always been, can we meet the demand? Can we meet the demand? And so when when it starts to switch and, and starting to feel like, oh, we've got extra beer sitting around or whatever it is, we start to see that our maybe our supply is, is meeting our demand. Yeah. So... Um, I think why grow? We we are just growing. I think hopefully as organically as we can in order to match, you know, you know, the people that want the beer with the beer that we're making, and that that I think makes sense. Um, as far as when is this uh, project a success? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I don't think we we look at it that way, and I don't think we're like, oh, Fieldhouse, like what a success. I think we are a work in progress, and I think there has been things successes along the way. Um, but I don't think success is, is a destination for us. Mm. Um, I think that um, we look at success as an evolutionary process and that, you know, we need to take the wins along the way for sure. Um, but I think other people might say, oh, look at Fieldhouse. It's successful. And I think I don't think we feel like we're there yet. I think we're still working towards it. Yeah. Yeah. So what like did you have a metric for success? Do you have a feeling like um, is it just is it just we're just going to keep? We're just going to keep making bigger tanks. Like you guys are moving to Chillac. Yeah. You're opening in Chillac. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we, we have a definitive measure for success. We have measurements for how our business is doing really to, you know, keep our finger on the pulse of, of how we feel it's going. Um, I guess instead of a measure for success, I think we've been talking a lot lately about having a vision of, of what kind of company we want to have in the future and what we think it should do. And I think if we're working towards that and if we, you know, are, are seeing that, that evolve, I think that we'll be feeling like we are being successful in our pursuit of that vision, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You guys have been going the route of the B Corp. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about why? Why does that matter to you? Yeah. I mean, maybe quickly, if people don't know what a B Corp is, um, there's the there's a lot of people, I think, years ago trying to be like, yeah, hey, we want to do something good with our business, but there was no sort of gold standard for what that is. And a group of people got together and they developed the B, B Corp certification, um, which is an online uh, survey that you do that is um, self-administered or whatever. So yeah. Um, so uh, and and really the the byline of B Corp is using business as a force for good. So that's kind of the belief uh, that we we want to also embrace. 
So we we gave ourselves a goal to be a B Corp by the end of this year. We started at the beginning of this year. And um, what it allows you to do is go through um, key areas of the business. So it's governance, people, community, and environment. Yeah. And it helps you identify how you're doing in those areas okay. and um, and look for ways that you can improve those. And the idea is out of 200, people, 200 uh, points, you have to get 80 of 200 points. Um, to be certified. And then from there, the idea is every year you try to improve it. So what it's given us, I think, is that it's given us a way to give a, a, an objective benchmark to, 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 for ourselves to look at how are we doing in these four areas. And yeah. obviously, I'm, among other things as well, um, I think product is a big one. Um, but you know, why we're doing it is, I think, just to challenge ourselves, push ourselves, uh, because we believe that that's a good reason for business to exist as to, as a force for good to do good things in this world. So if, if we believe that, let's use uh, an international standard that has been set um, as our framework for that, really. Yeah. So I think it's more of a framework. I think we, if we didn't use B Corp, we would still try to do good things. But um, we love to see, uh, you know, something like Patagonia at a very high level, very inspirational company mm-hmm. as a B Corp, you know, sh- showing, look, you know, look at what we can do at the scale if we do good things. Um, into our industry, uh, you look at Bozo Natural Brewery out in, in Toronto. They're a certified B Corp. Uh, Persephone Brewing in, in BC on the island is a B Corp. And we would love to be one of the, I think, you know, there's only a couple of them in Canada that are certified B Corps. And I think that that just hopefully is promoting more businesses doing more good things for the world. Yeah. And I think that's a really important concept. That's super cool. Um, I think what I like about the idea of the B Corp, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but with a B Corp, you're not you're not beholden to profits. Is that right? Uh, no, I mean, well, some people forget that it is, um, you know, it's the the it's people, planet, and profit. And the, you know, I think the idea is that um, that profits are a big part of B Corps uh, because with those profits and being a successful business, you can do more good in the world. Um, I think the old old idea was, well, if I put in these environmental policies and I care too much about my people, then I'm going to just lose money. It's just a cost to the business. They're trying to prove, and if you read their handbook, that they're they're showing the indexing of B Corps and the trajectory of those companies versus, say, the, the rest of the companies. And this is from a from a publish public not or public stock trading index that the B Corps perform way better over time than other businesses. Mm. So we're, we're trying to get out of this mindset that. Doing good costs us something. Actually, doing good for the world should should benefit the business, uh, both both for the people and and also the communities, but also also on the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's yeah. super cool. Ever when you told me that for the first time, I was like, yeah. really? These B corps are actually doing better. Yeah, yeah. It should. Yeah, yeah. That's a great thing that people should know if if they're they're like, you know worried about it. There should be like that should be a motivating factor. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are amazing with branding. Um, so what's the best marketing campaign that you've seen? Ooh, well, that's, I mean, not to pick that apart. I mean, branding and marketing are very different things. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, what are the best brands out there that do a good job, um, versus, you know, what are the best marketing campaigns out there that, um, you know, drive awareness or get people's attention or, or, or bring joy, you know, so yeah. maybe two different things there. Um, Oh, I have to try to find one to pick. Uh, I mean, on the brand side, I mean, at least conceptually, the the best brands for me are not um, maybe not the coolest ones. They are the ones that that when you see that brand, you're like, oh, that that brand just makes a lot of sense, um, and and feels really 
authentic to maybe the people behind it. So that so that can mean very, very different things for different people. Um, I'll give you some different examples in our industry. Um, you look at something like Postmark uh, Brewing yeah. that people know in Vancouver. Now, if you look at Postmark, it is a very aspirational West Coast, you know, Vancouver West Coast inspired brand. It's super cool. The guys who run that uh, that brewery like live that to the fullest, yeah. and it very much represents them. Some people might say, "Oh, you know, that's not you know, you can't live that way." But these guys do like that's authentic to them. Yeah, and so I, I love them and what they've done with that brand. But it's not authentic to to say who we are. So yeah. we would never put out what they put out. Um, What's another example of, um, I'll give a brand locally here, just down the road here, Habit, you know, um, the Habit Project, uh, you know, Cold Press Juice Company. Um, you know, what Daniel Mariah created there with her team is, you know, a very aspirational juice company that, that represents the best products in the Valley, but also represents, you know, such a real thoughtful way of um uh, expressing themselves uh, through their brand. There's a beauty to it. There's an authenticity to it. There's so much passion there um, about about so many things beyond maybe just the juice. So again, that's another brand that I think is executed at a, a great level, um, but it's not. Um, but it also is is really authentic. Where I have a problem is you'll see sometimes uh, a brand that was created maybe from an agency or something and then handed to a company mm -hmm. that just can't execute it because it's just not authentic to the, who they are. And I just feel really bad about that when, when you know, they, they work so hard on this brand and they can't really live up to it. That's, that's sad for the brand. It's sad for the people, you know. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes agencies don't set their clients up well for a brand that they can actually live every single day. Mm -hmm. So I think that that would be my, like, so the good brands I see, and there's lots of them out there, they're not about logos, they're not about one thing, they're about um, a whole sense and feeling of that brand, and then a company that can really back that up. Hmm. Um, marketing campaigns out there, I don't know, um, I'd have to think about that. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit out of the marketing world um, from where I was in the past. Um, a lot of breweries, and that's what I believe I've come to, it, it's funny because people say, some people say, oh... Fieldhouse is a very marketing-driven company, maybe. But we actually don't do a lot of traditional marketing. No. We don't do any no, no. advertising. We don't do any sales promo. We don't do um, – you know, there's a lot of the hallmarks of traditional marketing we don't do, uh, as many breweries don't do not do those. We are we are highly focused in investing in our product, right, our pe people, culture, and um, the experience, you know, for our, for our customers. And to me, that is the investment into our into our brand. And if and and there is obviously some baked in word of mouth marketing that comes along with that, hopefully as well. When you guys first started, you did a Kickstarter. We did, yeah. What do you think about Kickstarter? Um, I think it it is great, and we I mean we were really grateful for the campaign and the funds that we got through there. Um, and I think it's great. I think the the challenge is you know as if you've seen in, in the community we're in, you know there there can be a, a few of them, and it can, there can be a little. Um, saturation sometime of, of asking yeah. more people to support another Kickstarter. Um, I think if, if you can run a Kickstarter where those rewards, you know, actually have just really great value to the people that are supporting it. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, it, it, if you're starting a business and you can achieve both a marketing and sales slash cash funding, raising a goal at once, that's a, it's a great way. It's a good way to spend your time and effort. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you have to make sure that you are putting something out there that, you know, people can confidently support as well. So, yeah. Um, 
So yeah. Awesome. Um, we're, you know, this is a marketing podcast and, you know, you've been dissing marketing so far. So well, <laughs> no, I'm just not saying I'm not, I don't know maybe as much about it as, um, as other people would like yourself, which is great. I'm, I'm glad there's people like you in the world. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I look at you guys and I look at, I look at, uh, brands that are, that are really, really, um, successful without, um, marketing. And, and I think to myself, I think that there's a really, really good, um, nexus of the two. Yeah. Right. Um, but where you have to be so true to your brand and like, we, like with her funds, like lots of times we're like so delicate with this brand that they've created because now they're trusting us to bring it out on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram and Google. Right. And it's, it's scary. It's scary sometimes, yeah. right? We'll get right back to the episode. But first, do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. You can find out more at mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint. Now, back to today's episode. Well, the, I mean, the good, the good thing about that as it relates to, and, and you're right, brand, branding is very much part of marketing. As sales is part of marketing. It's, it, marketing is, is a big umbrella, right? Yeah. And I think everybody's going to have their focus within that umbrella. My focus has always been more on the brand side. Um, whereas, um, yeah. So... The, I think the good news and the, and the delicacy around brands is that more so than ever, I think brands are more fluid and flexible than they have been. There was once upon a time where, you know, if you went outside of the, the, the graphic standards, like say you were using the IBM logo and you didn't use the IBM logo in the way the IBM logo is meant to be put on and, and you use some other thing that wasn't that just three letters with the stripes in it, you know, then you were in a serious contradiction to the brand standards. Now, when we've come a long ways and the reason we, we talk about things like adaptive branding or dynamic branding now is because we have different adaptive media channels and also different dynamic media channels that we need to work in. So um, when I, t- I talk to um, students and, uh, or new designers about, you know, what is a, what is the design of a new brand framework needs to be? It needs to be very dynamic and flexible because if you have 20 plus media channels from social media, what you guys do to your website, to your merchant apparel, to your signage, to any of those other things, print materials goes and goes and goes and goes. You're going to have, a, if you, you know, if you're going to slap the same logo in there, it's going to get pretty boring over yeah, and over again. Yeah. And even the brands that are known for great consistency, you still see a lot of variation within that, you know, good brands uh, still can bake in a lot of variation. So this new idea of building brand systems that can then work, that can be more flexible for marketers like yourself yeah. is it goes a long ways, right? Instead of saying, Jordan, like here is like the one logo you have to stick it on everything, and, my, and your job is to stick it on everything. Yeah, you're like that's gonna get boring. Like after a while, people are gonna yeah. get sick of that. If you said here's a collection of colors and imagery and some different logos and different icons and illustrations and patterns, you're like, well, that's cool. Now look what we can do. Look, look how we can integrate all these different elements totally. into a campaign and keep it fresh and keep it exciting. You know that then um, give it makes. It makes it makes your job easier. It makes the client's brand more interesting, and it reflects the how things have changed in in our media environment. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's that's good for you. Um, but I think also going going back to uh, maybe marketing and where marketing works is, I just 
same same comment about the brand. When you see people doing marketing things that just don't feel like it fits with them, that's mm-hmm. the frustration. You know, there's things that, that you see and you're like, that seems obvious, you know? And I think, you know, if we can keep this picking the right marketing tools for the right, you know, that brand, then I think clients will see a lot of traction. It's when we when we force clients to do something that doesn't really feel like they should be doing. Like an example would be, hey, you're a super small boutique coffee shop. And let's pick, let's pick, uh, let's pay for a, a big outdoor billboard on the highway. Yeah. You know, there's a big disconnect. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah we're doing advertising and we're doing media. We're getting people aware, but like, what is the chance that person's driving at a hundred, you know, miles an hour and has seven, less than seven seconds to read that is going to do a U-turn and come back to Abbotsford and go to that yeah. coffee shop. So my big thing is just making sure it's appropriate and making sure it fits authentically with uh, each client and then and then yeah then you see things you go yeah that, that makes sense yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah i like that you're a lot smarter than me josh and i say that to everyone oh good good okay <laughs> i'm in the club um what has the role of the internet uh been in building your company yeah the i guess the main role and, and this is me knowing this coming from traditional advertising traditional advertising is a very expensive pursuit you know um whether it's outdoor billboards or it's tv ads or it's radio ads or print ads those are the big four traditionals yeah um you know the cost to to just produce something for that media is expensive then the cost to buy that media is expensive and then the cost to sustain that media is expensive it's all and the measurement and the measurement Mm -hmm. of it yeah after like it's 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 all very very costly and so if you're a small business those are not really options on the table um unfortunately so you know, the, the new media landscape, the social media landscape is that, yeah, maybe we have to spend a little bit of money, you know, work with somebody who knows a little bit about this. Um, uh, but the reality is we can get something out there in the world um, a lot easier. And that is is what businesses need. They need to get something out there in the world and they need to share what they're doing, whether that's their story, it's their products, it's their people, it's their it's their brand or whatever it is. Um that is, I think, the most valuable thing about the way the media has shifted. And yeah. we should be really thankful for that um, as small business owners that we now have a media channel. And someone just said this the other day. Uh, we got a social media um, thing by later, later.com, later ran. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was saying this is, you know, this is the first time where where small businesses are on the exact same platform as the big businesses. Like that never happened before. Yeah. You know, the same account that uses uh, she worked for hockey night in canada the same tool that hockey night in canada does can be for that coffee shop you know you never used to be on the same playing field you had coffee shop who had, was in the coffee news weird you know little paper thing <laughs> yeah. sorry to coffee news um or, and then you had hockey night in canada who was on tv well, there are yeah. very different opportunities that those those different organizations so so that's really interesting when when the levy the, the the playing field gets leveled and now, as a small business, you, you get to compete, you know, compete in the same media landscape. So, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. That's great. Um, if you could go back to when you first started, this is a softball question. Okay? Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you do differently? Um, what would you do differently? Um, and maybe you're, maybe that's what you're doing in Chilliwack. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think we are trying to learn and trying to relive. I, I took all, all my old notebooks out and looked at yeah. all the things I was working on because I still have all the notes of what we were doing at this week. This, I know it says like five weeks to opening or six weeks to opening. Or yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, trying to break that down. Um, 
Yeah, I guess what are the big things? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I don't. I guess, uh, and I hope that my team will, would reinforce this. That a lot of their energy we focus on moving forward and not reliving you know mistakes from the past. Um, you know, we we made we made some oversights on you know functionally how things would work, but we really had no idea like how they were going to work. And I don't know that we could have ever, if we went back, we could ever solve those problems that much better. Yeah. Um, there's always you could say, well, you know, you know, for example, at Fieldhouse, we sometimes deal with occupancy issues where we can't get everybody in because we have a, a liquor licensing that says, oh, you can only have this many people. And sometimes there's days where that where we're busy and we wish we had more people. Um, I still don't think I could go back to that Josh in, in 2015 and say, Listen, man, you're going to be so busy that you should just, you know, spend more money to to get hundreds of people in there. I don't think I would have believed myself, even no. even if I could do that. So that's where I think it's hard. Um, I think what what we all the learnings, all the things that we learned that we wish we had known before, we've just been slowly working on fixing those things as we go. Uh, but I think that's just that's just part of building a business. Um, yeah, it's. It, it's actually, and this might seem counterintuitive, it's actually good to start and make a lot of mistakes because, uh, for example, we did a, a project um, last year where we grew grain for the first time in the valley for brewing. And it went, we had such good weather last year in the summer through this one patch. And when we planted and when we harvested, it literally went so well that we didn't learn anything, which sounds bad. <laughs> but like, if things go super well, you don't learn anything. Yeah. And if you don't learn anything, you don't get better. So sometimes uh, uh, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, is, his name is Danny Meyer, and he, he, uh, he's a restaurateur from New York. And his, one of his quotes is about um, you know, that, that mistakes are a part of our business. It's our ability to creatively solve those mistakes that will, will make us great, you know? Yeah. And once we embrace that these mistakes are designed to challenge us, to help us grow, then actually we want to make mistakes. We want to have things go wrong. You know, I mean, not to the detriment of a failing and the business ending, but if we, if we figure them out now, we're going to be that much better of a business later. Yeah. So, you know, I always heard fail early, fail often or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Those things are all true to some degree, you know, as long as the, the, the business overall isn't, isn't in jeopardy. So, yeah. I think that's one, yeah, what, like one of the mantras that we use, especially in, in the type of marketing that we do is right. fail fast, fail cheap, and fail often. Yeah. Because if you're not failing often, mm -hmm. you're not really doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you know which way to go. Yeah. And fail cheap is a good one too. Yeah. Because, I mean, at least you can then, yeah, uh, then you can just keep iterating and working towards something, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know what? It's it's time for the lightning round. Okay. Okay. I'm going to talk here, faster. Here we go. Yeah. This is where yeah. I t you just answer the same questions by just... Say them faster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, favorite tool or app? Uh, two. Kind of two. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Basecamp three, you know, really changed how we work as a team. Uh, we can have less meetings. We can be in different places, and and we can communicate better than we've ever had before. Uh, the other one by far, my personal gave me personal sanity is Wonderlist. Um, whatever list app you use, I've tried them all from to do to to Mondays and to 
to all of them, <laughs> as yeah. I feel like, and then every one baked into another app. Uh, for me, this one just worked. Uh, the sharing collaboration tools, the, you know, the, uh, anyways, I've just optimized it as part of, of my life yeah. and, and both personally and, um, me, from me and my wife making grocery lists to banking ideas for Christmas or whatever it is yeah. to, to every part of the business. It, it like it's, it's it helps control the insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a big wonder list fan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite book. Favorite book. Whoa. There's lots of books. Book. Favorite book right now. <laughs> favorite, yeah. Favorite recent book. Yeah. Um, there's a couple books recently that stand out uh, on people and culture. It's something we work a lot on at Fieldhouse. We, we talk a lot about and we're just trying to bring good ideas to the table. Um, powerful. The, the book about uh, Netflix culture um, oh, is, is really, really great. It's really about empowering people, getting them to take ownership um, and, you know, really making them feel powerful in their jobs so that they can do what they need to do and we get out of the way kind of thing. Uh, that's a big one. Um, culture Code's another one that is a really, really smart book about um, just about about cultures, I mean, about about how important they are. And, you know, there's so many good ideas in there to pull apart. Um, I did just, uh, the third one would be, I just read Basecamp's book. Um, it doesn't oh. have to be this way. It works so crazy. It doesn't have to be this way or whatever it is. Um, it is a very bold book and bold statements around changing business norms. Really, really cool ideas. Uh, and they really call out all the, all the BS that we tell ourselves sometimes about why we're doing things, you know, um, mm. they, they hit it really hard. You know, they're a strong established software company that's done a great job and they, they also can afford to do a lot of really great things for people that maybe not every business can do. So I think you need to read those books with a grain of salt. I would love to do everything in that book. Not everything in that book, but a lot of the great things they do for their employees. Um, but you know, you have to have the resources to pull yeah. those things off yeah. and, and hopefully we get there and we can do more good things for our people. Yeah. Yeah, it's like reading four-hour work week and then stopping working. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Google Works, the other one uh, about the guy who ran film culture for Google, uh, also cool. an amazing book. And what's great about that book is they really break down some really practical tools. They talk about free things you can do that Google does that doesn't cost you any money because mm. everybody assumes you know Google's got sixty thousand employees, they have all this money, which they do. Uh, some things they do with money, some things they do for free, which are really actually some of the most valuable things. Mm. Um, it's you've already answered. Question three of my lightning round. That was your favorite founder or the founder that you look up to. Favorite Unless founder. you want to do another one. Um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep Danny Meyer in the list. I mean, he, he, um, has been one of the most, uh, transformative hospitality leaders, you know, basically going above and beyond for customers, but also treating your people very, very well. And he's taken that concept of fine dining quality of food, hospitality, uh, people and experience, and he also built Shake Shack, which is you know sort mm. of the the rising star in the quick serve or fast food market. And he applied all the great things about fine dining to quick serve, and yeah. and has been incredibly successful at it. So I love that you know he's not a one trick pony. You know he he did fine dining in the hardest city probably in the world to do that in in New York, and was the best at it you know over and over again. And then he went top tackled the fast food industry now like that's you know to me that's iconic that is that is not everybody can pull that off yeah for sure so that's cool that's awesome yeah uh josh thank you so much i know your your time is valuable important that's 29 minutes yeah what was it what was the goal <laughs> three we if we it was 30 uh, we're right we're on track. 30 just yeah. like i had hoped um where yeah. can people find out more about you 
Um, well, yeah, our main site is just fieldhousebrewing.com and our our handles are at Instagram, are at, sorry, not at, are they, the Instagram, <laughs> social media, are just Oh, at, your Instagram? Yeah, I am the Instagram. <laughs> um, they're, yeah, at, at Fieldhouse Brewing. Uh, I think our Twitter is actually uh, Fieldhouse Beer. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, the heart, the heartbeat of what we do is, is on our social media, you know, what's happening day to day. And sometimes, you know, we post a lot of stuff on there, but we, from, you know, a farm project to new beers coming out to what's happening in our canteen kitchen and food program, what's happening with our people and events, like there's a lot going on. So, so, you know, some people think we post a lot, but there's also like so much we, we are, we don't post about. So that's kind of the heartbeat of things. And, you know, our website is kind of more of a, a history, a visual history of what we've done. Yeah. Um, and we've been we've been lucky to work with some great photographers, um, like Sean Deline, who uh, has taken so many great photos, and Shelby now, who's helping us with our social media and also takes some photos and does some video. So we're really lucky to work with really talented people, our staff, that have helped um, you know build, build the visual landscape of our brand and our marketing. Awesome. Yeah. It was really, really great to have you on. Yeah, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. Okay. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scaling Online. If you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and share this with a friend. No, seriously, share it with a friend. No, if you don't, I'm going to find you and I'm going to make you profitable. Got it? No, seriously, 